All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. Hello again, and welcome to Primitive Screwheads Talk Horror Movies. I'm Dan. And I'm Andrew. And we are here for our podcast where we sit down, dismember, and dissect whatever horror movie strikes our fancy at the time. Uh, once again, we are two friends met teaching over in South Korea, and we both live back here in the States right now, but we still have our love of horror movies. So we sat around and we talk about it, and we uh, just kind of shoot the shit about what's been going on. What's been going on with our horror movies and what's in the horror movie scene right now. But uh, temp- usually we kind of take a look at a specific movie. And this week's movie is 2016's The Boy. So, Andrew, first off, how you doing, man? You know, I'm doing pretty good. I'm a, a week into my uh, coronavirus quarantine uh, from, uh, from my school that I work at. And it's, it's been going pretty good. Yeah, same here. Our governor in North Carolina just announced that school was uh, currently pulled out of session until May 15th. Um, and I am so glad I'm not a teacher anymore. I mean, I'm working in healthcare now, which comes with those little problems with this pandemic, but that's how it is. Yeah, you know, it's, it's kind of weird. Like, I having just started a new job in teaching, like, it's it's really weird and, like, it's kind of awkward to like have this weird feeling of not knowing what the heck's going on right now like our school system has most has more or less said don't do a lot of lesson planning don't give anything to students yet um because Mm -hmm. if we give something out and the students with special needs or ieps can't access it it will be like against vape it will be against like legally violate their civil rights so Mm -hmm. we're at this weird kind of holding pattern until we get things kind of set up for distance learning yeah, and it's uncharted territory for a lot of people now. I mean, I'm self-quarantined at home with my girlfriends and um, got her started on Animal... Or not Animal Crossing, uh, Stardew Valley. So that, uh, you know, will be good for a few more days. <laughs> I have been playing Doom, speaking of which, which was our last movie we reviewed. We reviewed Doom Annihilation, and i got to say, Andrew, it is fucking awesome. I, I, it looks amazing. I've, I love the original, not the original, but the whatever the remake was from. Yeah, was the that? 2016 one. Yeah, yeah. Wait, 2016. Yeah, <gasps> just like our movie. Just like our movie today, the oh boy. My gosh. So let's get right to it. I'm glad you're staying safe. I'm glad you're self quarantined, and I'm glad you're doing good. Um, so yeah, for everyone out there listening on in, just keep staying safe and stay at home. That's the best thing you can do. Just stay at home. Practice social distancing. There's my PSA. Also, watch more horror movies. Yeah, exactly. And that's a great time to catch up on horror movies, right? Like, so that's exactly what we can do at this time. Yeah, most definitely. Especially since a lot of uh, production companies and studios are actually releasing their videos and their movies from the theater since they're shut down on digital. Like, for example, The Invisible Man was just put out, which I believe is the next movie we're going to be talking about. Correct, Andrew? Yeah, totally. All right, sounds good. So... Anyway, let's get into it today. We have The Boy. So, Andrew, you picked The Boy. Mm-hmm. Uh, why don't you talk a little bit about why you picked this, how you heard of it, and just kind of introduce it to us. All right. Yeah. So, um, actually, uh, so The Boy, I think I just, I, I didn't see it in theaters, but I, I always loved those kind of creepy doll movies from, like, you know, back in, like, Slappy from, like, Goosebumps and stuff. And mm-hmm. this movie uh, came out in theaters, didn't get the chance to see it, but then I rented it on DVD. And I'll talk about it later, but I think this movie has one of the best twists ever. 
in like in like a horror movie in the past i don't know decade i suppose like i feel like it's such an unexpected obvious twist that it's mm-hmm. amazing um and this movie has been one that i've watched a few times uh when i first met my girlfriend uh she also loved this movie so she showed it all her friends we watched it together um we actually went at our one-year anniversary went and saw the boy too in theaters um which was a slightly disappointing experience but uh it's <laughs> i just I, I think it's a really well-made movie i think it's flies under a lot of people's radars i think that you kind of see that creepy doll movie and you're like well i've seen this before i don't need to see this movie and i think that it probably needs more attention than it gets Mm -hmm. yeah so the boy came out in 2016 it is directed by william brent bell who is pretty much strictly horror movies um he did 2006's Stay Alive with Frankie Muniz. Remember that old <laughs> meme, if you die in the game, you die in real life? Oh, yeah. That's Dude. where it was from. That's Stay such a good Alive. movie. He also did The Devil Inside, and I never saw that one, but Me I either. do remember the outrage that happens. Wait, there's um, outrage? Have you heard about that? No, oh, I didn't yeah. know. So the ending, um, The Devil Inside is basically a standard exorcism film, and spoilers for The Devil Inside, I guess. I heard it's not a very good movie, but... It cuts out in the middle of the climax. Apparently, there's this big climactic chase sequence, and then it cuts out after a crash, and then the movie says the investigation about this paranormal exorcism is still ongoing. You can find out more information if you go to this website. And it was a basically an advertisement for the movie that you went to. So they wanted to do some ARG experience after you saw the movie. But to a lot of people, it just seems like they cut out the ending of the movie and said, if you want to find out more, go to this website. And that let a lot of people be really pissed off. Like, there were YouTube videos of people just bitching and complaining and saying, fuck you, to the end of the movie in theaters. So, yeah, that was The Devil Inside. Not a lot of people like that one. Um, Yeah. And then he also did Where, which is a werewolf film made in 2013. I had never even heard of it or seen it. Neither have I. But, yeah, that's something as well. Anyway, the only ones I had heard of before The Boy were Stay Alive and The Devil Inside. And every time I see the phrase The Boy, I just keep thinking back to God of War. Boy. (laughs) Boy. (laughs) Yep. Well, you know, actually, with that in mind, uh, what uh, what do you think about like evil doll movies? Those kind of films, like what what are your experience uh, with them? If we do top top five evil doll movies, go. Uh, Poltergeist, okay. most definitely. Um, that's on there. Um, Child's Play. I have a soft spot for Child's Play. Um, the episode of The Simpsons, The Treehouse of Horror, with the evil Krusty doll. Oh my god, that one's so good! And it ends up. Yep, where it ends off, he's just got to flip it back between the evil switch to the good switch. And then also has one of the classic lines. But it comes with a free Frogert. That's good. <laughs> the Frogert is filled with potassium nitrate. That's good. <laughs> Can I go now? <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so I would say those are my top three. Uh, Poltergeist would probably be my favorites. And then Chuck Child's Play would also be up there as well. Annabelle, eh, I haven't seen Annabelle Comes Home yet. The original Annabelle, I could take it or leave it. And then let's see what else is out there. What about what about Annabelle I, Creation? Annabelle Creation? Were there the, three of them? It's a sec- yeah, it's a sequel. It's a second one. Wasn't it Annabelle Comes Home? No, Annabelle. There's Annabelle, Annabelle Creation, Annabelle Comes Home. Oh, no, I've only seen the original Annabelle. Uh, dude, Creation's actually really good. I check it out. It's like Yeah, I heard that better. too. That's the first sequel, right? Not the second sequel? Yes, yeah, yeah. Okay. The one that was like kind of an origin story? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I heard that was really good. Yeah, that one was really um, good. Yeah, what other ones? What are there some other Evil Doll movies out there? I don't know. Have you seen Dolly Dearest? 
I have not. That Tell one, me about that. That's pretty creepy. It's, I, I can't remember exactly what the plot is, but it has, the the doll design is fucking creepy as shit. And it like mm-hmm. it, when it gets demonic at the end, it's like the ugliest piece of shit you've ever seen in your life. Um, nice. But that one's really good. That one's like that one like okay. was a, a sci fi movie that I definitely watched a lot as a kid. Mm-hmm. Are there any others? Yeah, trying, definitely. I think. I'm trying to think too. Uh, I feel like that there has there has to be like there there was a movie called like Charlotte I think on um, Amazon Prime and it was like an anthology series that I watched. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's like Jaws, where there's one really good shark movie, and then there's a whole bunch of other movies that just yeah, whatever. Yeah, that's probably pretty accurate, uh, honestly. And I feel like, I feel like yeah. a lot of dolls are like minor parts of other movies. Like there's a lot of like possessions of dolls in other movies that like. But it's know. never the focal point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But speaking of, we should do Annabelle sometime. I love that movie. That movie's so good. Yeah, we definitely should. Have we, have I, we done I do it? like... Uh, no, we uh, We have not. We did <laughs> okay. The Conjuring 2. There which we go. I loved. I love The Conjuring 2. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did see the original Annabelle. Like I said, I could take it or leave it. But anyway. So um, let's talk a little bit about dolls. All right. Um, I grew up with brothers. We didn't have too many dolls in my house. But what do you think makes dolls so scary in terms of horror movies? Why is it such a cliche? I don't know. Like I think I think it's just like that, like that uncanny valley, that rictus face that doesn't change. That's just like constantly staring at you. It's like those paintings mm-hmm. that look at you where you kind of. I feel like that has a lot to do with it. It's like that. I don't know that immortalization of an expression. Yeah, the inanimate object that can come and attack you from anywhere. It's something, you know, it's, it's, what if, what if Toy Story was evil, basically? Because, I mean, like, those toys could fuck some shit up. Mm-hmm. Um, and given that, most people did grow up with the dolls. So it's something familiar to them, and it flips it on its head, and now it's something just completely unfamiliar, something a little bit hostile. And then not only that, too, dolls are supposed to be a sense of comfort, a sense of, uh, you know, just something to comfort and help the individual go to bed or go to sleep. Um, But at the same time, too, there's definitely been a big backlash in the last couple decades to dolls, Mm. possibly after the Animityville story and Annabelle the doll came on out. Um, And then a lot of the dolls were clowns, too, and people just hate clowns, and they still hate clowns. You know, and I think about it, too, like, a lot of evil doll movies, it's it's mixed with possession, it's mixed, like, a supernatural kind of thing, because, like, you think about it, there aren't a lot of doll movies where the doll itself is the aggressor. Like, there's Chucky, Mm -hmm. and there's there's kind of, like... um, and Poltergeist, like, you know, the, the doll is possessed and that, like, like that, that thing scared the shit out of me when I was younger. That, like, that ruined oh, me yeah. for a while, seeing that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I was definitely too young to see that movie when I saw it. Uh, but, like, there aren't a lot of movies where the doll is the aggressor. And I feel like that's almost smart because I think people realize that while dolls are creepy, animate dolls are hilarious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it's like, I think it's like, why? Like, I don't know, like, I, in your opinion, like, Chucky, like... I think part of the modern update of Chucky, what made the modern update of Chucky a little bit better, was that he wasn't just a killer doll. He was a killer doll with access to technology that allowed him to kill people and things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've never really considered Chucky scary. I mean, don't get me wrong, I caught a clip of one of the movies. I don't remember which one it was, but he tossed a bottle up at the glass ceiling and the glass just fell onto the bed and just killed everyone who was on that waterbed at the time. Was that the first one? And that wasn't the first one. I know like, something similar happened in the in Ch- Bride of uh, it may have been that. And I, I know a similar thing happened in uh, the new Chucky, not the newest one, but the uh, the Cult of Chucky. The remake. 
they're not the cult. Okay. Maybe it's the cult. I can't remember. Um, something something happened in that one, which is kind of similar. That one movie is pretty good. The yeah, room, I, but and, I'm, sorry? I've never found Chucky that's, besides that scene that kind of gave me nightmares as a while for a kid, I've never really considered the Chucky movies particularly scary. Yeah. It's kind of like in the vein of the Leprechaun series, where it's just kind of fun to see him walk around, do antics, talk shit here and there. Um well, that's yeah. a, like with me, like as a kid, it's like more fun like, than scary. Well, like, I always kind of feel like like the, the cage, kind of like from um, or Gage Cage, whatever his name is, from a uh, Pet Cemetery. The idea of like a little thing running around with a knife is kind of creepy. But like, oh yeah, definitely. Like, but anytime I think about a Chucky or like a, a doll, I always get, I always focus so much on like the okay, like where does their muscle muscular strength come from? Like, how strong is this doll? <laughs> this doll's muscles are composed of like cotton. Like, could it overpower mm-hmm. me? Like, if it tried to stab me, would I just be like grab its hand? And be like, no, like. If you lift it up off the ground, it loses all grounding for its feet to exert pressure on you. So, like, those are okay, the questions so the I have. Too. So, if a killer doll comes at you <clears throat> with a knife, where do you think it's going to stab? Probably like, somewhere around your shins or your Achilles tendon or something like that. Yeah. And that is just, ugh, ugh, no, no, I don't want to think about that. But I feel like all you have to do is, like, sideswipe it then, because it's not going to get the knife in you if you sideswipe. Like, it's going to be coming out with a point. If you sideswipe, it's not going to turn the thing. You just kick it to the side, and then, like, you know, like, I feel like... There's just, like, as long as that doll is coming at you head-on, there's a lot of ways to get rid of it. <laughs> like, I feel like most of those movies, the people get the upper hand on Chucky, and then something stupid happens, unless he, like, surprises mm-hmm. them. Like, yeah. I think, and like, I think, again, I think that's why that remake did what it did, where they kind of made him a technological master to a degree. Uh, mm-hmm. Have you seen anyone? Maybe we in... Uh, no, I have not yet, but oh, maybe in terms of in this self-quarantine that we've got ourselves over, we should start some passive income and start evil doll defense classes. I, um, where they idea. just upload stuff to YouTube and, you know, practice with dolls here and there and say, okay, so if a doll's coming at you this way, this is what you got to do. You just got to give it one of these, bam, on the ground. Good to go. Now we can wear American flag pants at the same time. I think that'd be really, really important. We also need to grow, like, goatees and have, like, really long hair. Goatees all the time. But also... Dan, Speak for yourself. My go-to's are again. I, I recall a while ago you were, uh, I think you were in Texas on a trip, and you sent me a picture of a possessed doll that you were going to get for me. Uh, yeah, I do that a lot. Um, so one of my favorite other podcasts is My Brother, My Brother, and Me, and they do a segment where they buy haunted dolls off eBay, and then they tell the background stories and how that goes. That's a huge thing on eBay. So I'm going to go to eBay right now, and I'm going to search haunted doll, and we're going to see how many uh, ones pop up. So haunted doll, uh, two thousand three hundred and ninety nine results for a haunted doll, and they are all unique. Scroll on down. There's a million of them, or over two thousand of them. So Wait, I need to specify a little hold bit up, more. hold up. I just found yes. the P dash SB seven spirit box, already reserved ghost box with a DAS one hundred eight ghost speaker for haunting paranormal activity. It's a it's an eighty nine ninety. I can get free shipping on it right now. It'll be here by Friday. 62 have been sold. Haunted, <laughs> there's a haunted active doll. It looks like Elmo. And a couple years ago, I listed one haunted doll that I had gotten from a lady who had three dolls. Soon after I listed her, I kept getting emails from people who had their own stories of haunted dolls. And that listing, I explained my background in paranormal research and I questions that wanted advice. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, it does not look like there is... Oh, I was going to store them here, but the energy is just way too much for one home. I cannot keep them all here. Oh, so this 
person is selling a set of haunted dolls. Damn. Okay. Gotcha. So it's like if you buy one haunted doll or if you buy five of them, you get one free. That sort of thing. Dude, this person is selling just it, – it's a ghost hunting hard case. It's an equipment for your ghost hunting equipment. It's like a box for ghost hunting equipment. It's ninety nine ninety nine. Um, There's this one. This is actually... It's a doll, and the picture has a pentagram right below it. <laughs> just so in case it wasn't subtle enough. Can we, can we doll just... Haunted. Can we just start buying ghost hunting equipment? Like, I, I found <laughs> I found a paranormal equipment three-piece green laser pen with a holder and a tripod. It, it is a laser pen with a tripod, and they are selling this as ghost hunting equipment. <laughs> I, don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. Oh, uh, oh my god. I love and, how half of these listings are just... Not nice. <laughs> Wait, is yours? Are you looking? Are you searching possessed or evil? I'm searching haunted doll on eBay, and I'm coming up with the results. All right, and all of them either just say not nice or evil or. Oh, dude, this one's. I found. I found. Okay. I found possessed doll. It's a young active spirit. It says not creepy. Don't worry. And his name is Aubrey. <laughs> I like this one that says haunted active dolls Amelia and then in parentheses tangible. Oh, I have haunted doll active spirit paranormal real possessed doll not a toy. His name's Riley. Dude, these are kind of cool. I kind of want these. Like just a whole room full of haunted dolls. Dude, oh my god, uh, somebody drew like a face on about, this one. Yeah, you were talking about you want your own space uh, with your girlfriend, so maybe you can like make a little man cave and just fill it in with all these haunted dolls. Oh my god, this would be that so way she's sure to avoid you, dude. Dude, we might be onto something. Also, uh, my entire eBay search history is of Zoid's uh, model kits, and I'm thinking, what if my what if the Zoid? I just recently spent eight hours building a Liger Zero Schneider unit. What if that's possessed? What if what if my little Zoid is possessed? That'd be so cool. Ah. Uh... I would love to be. Okay, so if you have to be possessed in some sort of toy, what would it be? Definitely like a blade lager. Oh my god. <laughs> or, dude, or like a Gundam, like Gunpla, because you can like exchange body parts and stuff. It'll be like metabots. You can be like, oh shit, now I have like a laser cannon. I would like to be possessed, or I would like to possess some sort of talking weapon, like the uh, sword flute from Power Rangers. Oh my god. I just go in there. And then whenever they press a button, like normally the regular sound would play, but occasionally be me, and I would say <laughs> something like, uh, I don't know, it's a very damn thing to say. Um, Sonic the Hedgehog is awesome. Or... <laughs> the movie is so good. Oh, yeah. I know. I'm so excited to see it. I was going to see it. Movie shut down. That's how it goes. But it is what it is. Anyway. Back on our topic right here, The Boys. Oh, yeah, so again, The Boys, 2000, <laughs> 2016 movie about a haunted doll. Yes. And that's the whole tangent we came on in. We brought it full circle. We're on our way back. Uh, so let's go ahead and start with The Boy. All right. Um, so before we do that, actually, let's talk about a little bit about the critical reception. This is a 30% on Rotten Tomatoes. That's bullshit. How... However, it did uh, gross about sixty-eight million against a budget of ten million, so it did turn a profit. So uh, pretty decent for a horror movie. Not crazy good, but pretty decent. And yeah, overall perception wasn't that great, but, but that's how it goes. I feel like that's just horror movies in general. I don't think that any horror movie really gets good reception. Like that is very true. Like I think part of what angers me is, and we'll talk about this later. Like. For anybody who wants to know, I did not really like The Invisible Man, and it gets insanely good reviews, and I do not quite get mm-hmm. why. 
Um, like we will talk about that next episode. Yeah, the, the, watching this movie was kind of a breath of fresh air after watching uh, that movie. So okay, cool. All right, so uh, the boy. So why don't you go ahead and just give me a little premise about what this movie is about? All right. Yeah. So so the boy uh, basically it follows uh, Maggie from The Walking Dead. I think her name's Greta in this movie, and basically she. Yes. Uh, Goes out to this um, very this kind of mansion, this estate, um, and somewhere in Europe, and uh, is hired to be the nanny of a boy named Roms. Um, however, when she arrives at this location, at this house, uh, the couple, the Hillshires, um, who own the house, um, reveal that the child that she's watching is actually a porcelain doll, like a, a lifelike kind of uh, medium toddler-sized doll that they call Brahms, and she is to take care of it as if it were a real child. So, side note, uh, when I was researching this movie, apparently the cast members used to prank each other using the doll so they would set it up in random locations and have someone turn a quarter and be freaked out about it. <laughs> apparently, some people were so freaked out that they hurled the doll outside of their trailer and actually completely smashed the doll. So they had to suspend production for a little bit while they found a new doll. That's great. <laughs> well, actually, there, there's a scene in this movie where she throws the doll. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, that is like, yep. <laughs> that is like an expensive doll. Stop it. Yep, most definitely. <clears throat> anyway, so yeah, uh, Lauren Cohen, Maggie from Walking Dead. That's uh, is she typecasted now? Can she be considered typecasted? What else has she been in? I think I don't think she's been in much else. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> uh, she was did a minor role in Supernatural. Oh yeah, Vampire Diaries. She was in Chuck. Chuck is underrated. I it love is, like Chuck. She's in. Uh, hmm. That's about it. Yeah, but she's always the Walking Dead girl. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, she comes on in, and she is basically this nanny for these two different people. Um, yeah, so she comes on in, and one thing I really didn't like about this movie, and it struck me from the very first scene, is they do the horror movie cliche of just very, very quiet, slow zoom out on the character, and then all of a sudden loud noises to bring us back into the movie. Like, in the very first scene, uh, Greta is being um, escorted or chauffeured over to this uh, mansion, which is in rural England, basically. And she kind of stares at the house, the music gets all silent, and then there's a very loud tap on the window, and it's just the chauffeur letting her out. And, like, Does that a lot? Yes. Yeah, I said I'll keep going. No, that was it. Oh, okay. Can we talk about... So that chauffeur... For, that movie opens up with the chauffeur like staring down her shirt in the rearview mirror. Oh, yeah. That was kind of weird. Did, did you... Like, I was like... I saw that happen and I was like, is that... Like, I never noticed that before. And I was like, what the fuck? Never addressed again. No, never just, talked about again. Never... Like, not like a part of this character that we can see later. Yeah, there's very few characters in this movie. There's really only three central ones... Other than the heel shiles, which they're really only at the beginning of the movie, and that's it. Mm -hmm. So it's uh, very, I mean, the acting budgeting wasn't too big for this one. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, there's definitely something off about that chauffeur. I don't know if he works for the heel shires or if it was just an Uber or a Lyft or whatever, but maybe it was just the actor just um, staring at her chest, and the director was just like, yeah, we'll leave it in, that's fine. Well, I wonder if it was supposed to be kind of a sign or like a, pre like a, a pre warning of her abusive situation prior. Because like she does notice oh, it and cover yeah. up, so maybe it was kind of hinting at yeah. that she'd been kind of treated badly in the past, so she's aware of what he's doing, while most people wouldn't be aware of that. Yeah, good thinking. Yeah, um, yeah. Later on in the movie, we kind of slowly reveal that uh, Greta was physically abused by her past boyfriend, and she has a history of uh, domestic abuse, basically, and that does come into play later on in the movie. But uh, yeah, 
So she goes on in and takes her shoes off, and she meets the owners of this little house, uh, the Heelshires. Uh, they are an elderly couple, and they have a, once again, a son uh, called Graham, or, no, I'm sorry, Brams. And Brams is literally just a porcelain doll. And Greta actually laughs when she first <laughs> meets Brams, but... Then the Hishayos kind of look at her strangely and like, why'd you laugh at my son? And then she was like, oh, oh, I see what's going on here. You guys are fucked up. And that's why Malcolm's there's great. There's also another... Hmm? <laughs> and that's why Malcolm's great, because he comes right in. Like, the uh, the guy, there's a guy who is, like, their grocery delivery guy, and he, like, swoops right in and is like, oh, hey, Brahms, how's it going? And, like, kind of models for her how to act. Like, I thought that was really kind of clever. Where they did that. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah, there's another character called uh, Malcolm who is the grocery deliverer for this elderly couple. And uh, she and her, uh, her or, I'm sorry, she and Malcolm meet, Greta and Malcolm meet, and immediately there's a lot of sexual tension between the Dude, two. They're so much flirting. Forth. Oh my god, it's, what does is, what is he say in the kitchen at the very beginning? I don't remember what it was. The gum one? But I remember... Possibly, where he's like, he's like, you know, my my family has like a history of clairvoyance and palm readers. He's like, what's yours? And he's like, "Uh, I can read uh, chewing gum, and he like hits on her while reading chewing gum. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, that's that. Uh, At one point, he like holds her hand to try and read her the lines on her hand. I think, yes, yeah, it's very, 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 very very ham. Well, not ham fisted. Very, he's been very obvious about it. But it's like it's charming yeah. in its own way. I feel like to a degree, it's not because like, it's not like yeah. creepy. It's like it's very much like a he'll back off. I think if he needs to, mm-hmm. kind of thing. But like yeah. in that, so before she meets him, though, she goes walking through this house and she hears like a floorboard creak. And like I never get that in movies when the people hear a floorboard creak and they go and investigate and they just keep yelling out like, "Hello, is anybody there? Hello!" Like in my mm-hmm. perspective, if there's a floorboard creak and I yell, "Is anybody there?" and nobody responds, there are two options: either the person is hiding and they do not want to be seen. Or there's nothing there. And, like, mm-hmm. in both situations, going to explore, like, if there's somebody there and they don't want to be seen, probably not a good idea. So, like, yeah. if you assume the house is empty and you hear something upstairs, I would not go explore what's up in that house. I would be like, all right, I'm going to stay in a safe place. Yeah, that's horror movie gem- uh, horror movie logic 101 but right there. It's so, it's such a ridiculous like, trope. Like, no, like, you call out once. If nobody responds, either they don't want to be heard or they didn't, or, like, they're not there. Like... One of those two things is the occurrence. <laughs> yep. So anyway, they keep, uh, basically, Greta meets the Hilshers, and they are realizing, okay, this, you know, they have this weird attachment to the boy, um, Brams, this porcelain doll. And we learn that, once again, this house is very, very remote. They are constantly fighting against the elements. They're constantly fighting against the creatures that try and go into their house. Um, and they try and keep it very, very clean. Like, there's a rat trap she has to go through every so often to take care of the dead rats that pop on up here and there. Have to clear the brush. Um, very, very secluded. And, of course, we have our one scene where she tries to call someone on her cell phone, and her cell phone's not working at all. So, no reception. Cut that plot all out. Yep. Yep, exactly. And yeah, and we kind of... Wanna... Every horror movie needs to do it at this point on. Well, of course. You know, we, we, we can't have reception in movies. It'd be terrible. Um, mm-hmm. Do you see that? There's like there's just one like joke where it's like if horror movies had cell phones and it's like something ha- crazy happens, they pick up the phone and call and they're like, "Hello," <laughs> like they call they call the police or they or they're like, "Oh man, I think it's I think the murderer might be like Brian." Like let me see, and they call Brian and they, the phone rings behind them. They're like, "Fucking Brian!" <laughs> 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 you knew it. Should have kept that silent. 
Um, but so, yeah, so after that, uh, yeah, we, we learn a lot about Brahms. The family tells him about who he is. Like, we learn that he, like, like oh, Brahms the doll is playful because her, sh- her shoes disappear. Or um, they have this whole list of things that they must do for Brahms. Like, Brahms must be woken up like this. He must be yeah. dressed like this. And I'm going to hmm? pause there for a second, actually, because this reminded me a lot. And I'm wondering if it was intentional or not. Um, so occasionally I like to get creeped out. I like to lay in bed and just read creepy subreddits or just watch creepy videos on YouTube. Just, you know, kind of, kind of as a way to relax at that point. I've gotten to that point in my horror movie fandom. Um, there is a subreddit called No Sleep, which is basically for original horror short stories, um, that come on through. Over the past couple of years, there is a huge huge influx of these stories about someone going to a location or being asked to go to a location like house sitting or your security guard at night or your doctor working in a hospital and there's a set of very specific rules to follow and they're always very asinine like don't turn the tv on after 11 o'clock if the door knocks and they say to the police don't open if it's between three and four make sure you don't look at any mirrors after midnight and stuff like that. And that's what this reminded me of when we have these set of rules for Brahms and if you break them, oh, shit's going to happen. That's what it really, really reminded me of. Yeah, yeah. I definitely read a few of those. That, that's, that's really familiar. Or even like Gremlins. Oh, that too. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't feed them after midnight. That sort of thing. But I, I, Ugh, I do like how this... The... Sorry? No, go for it. Mm-hmm. Oh, you, you go first. Mine, mine's probably going off in a different direction. No, I was just complaining about Gremlins. Like, what does it mean after midnight? Like, the six day and work? Is that it? But that's that's been beaten to death at that point. Continue. Okay. All right. Well, anyway, yeah, that is a great question. Um, they actually they're talking about doing an animated Gremlins sequel or something like that coming up. Or no, is there an animated TV series coming out? Maybe so, something mm-hmm. something in the Gremlins sphere is happening, and I don't know if I'm happy about it. Um, anyway, uh, but I do like so like a lot of the, these rules that we kind of hear do foreshadow what's going to occur later because like some of the rules are like you know such as like make sure you catch the traps because we don't want rats in the walls that'd be kind of like unfortunate or like um, Brahms must be Brahms gets three hours of lessons a day um, and these re- lessons must be read out loud in a very clear voice and they're like all right Brahms gets to listen to music for like an hour a day but the music must be played at a very high volume and then we're getting all these very kind of interesting hints towards what's happening um, which i liked i thought they did a good job like i think once you this one of those movies i think once you know the twist it makes going through and watching it again a little more fun Mm -hmm. and then of course our biggest one at the very very end what must greta do at the very end of the night after she puts brahms to bed she must kiss him she must kiss him good night most important rule of them all Mm -hmm. could be a shit (laughs) and so uh Go ahead. Well, uh, uh, you go first, and I'll, I'll pop in when you do. Oh, I'm moving on in with the story right now. I'm trucking right through. Go so if you it. have uh, something to add, speak now or forever hold your All right, well, I was going to say that at one point the dad kind of pulls her aside, and we kind of get the impression that the mother is very caring towards this doll. And the father is almost kind of like the stereotypical father. He kind of sits on the side and just kind of watches and, like, maybe mm-hmm. isn't 100% down with what's going on here. Maybe he, like, doesn't necessarily believe that taking care of a doll is the most important thing. Yeah, I got the impression that... The mom was fully committed to whatever it is that's going on in this house. The dad knows that he's putting Greta in a terrible situation and does not know what she's getting into. But at the same time, he's feeling a little bit of sympathy towards her, but not really. Mm -hmm. 
yeah, he's he's definitely being very manipulative. Yeah, like, like I almost get the impression that the mother is kind of like mentally like kind of forgotten what they're doing. Like she's kind of forgotten mm-hmm. the symbolic behavior and taking it as reality while he understands the symbolic and has kind of become disenchanted with it. And so like he yes. kind of pulls her aside at one point and says like, you know, whatever may look on the outside, our son is here. He's very much with us. Mm-hmm. So like, do you understand that? He kind of like, he's trying to tell her, he, he's trying to give her hints. He's trying to help her out. And he, mm-hmm. he does a lot. He has a few of these kind of conversations with her kind of to the side, away from the mother and like usually away from the house too, which is interesting, which is uh, again, foreshadowing, but Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then we uh, kind of move on through uh, the Hillshires leave. Um, Mrs. Hillshire, uh, once again, they're leaving on a vacation. They say that they have not left the house in many, many years because they have to take care of Brams. But the wife, Mrs. Hillshire, actually hugs her and she tearfully apologizes to Greta. And it's a very creepy scene because it's just like, okay, this is way more than a babysitting job. Mrs. Hillshire has a rare moment of lucidity. What the hell's going on with her? And mm. then they both leave. Well, and they do. There, there's this weird scene before too, where um, she witnesses them praying with Brahms that night uh, before they take him to put him to bed. And uh, like, you know, God bless mother, God bless father, God bless Brahms. And then she says, and God bless Greta. When she's kind of God bless members of the family, which is kind of interesting because mm-hmm. the father looks up at yeah. that point and is like, what the fuck? And then they, they have this kind of private discussion, and then mm-hmm. uh, before this, before she leaves, uh, Miss Hillshire does say, "Like uh, she's like, oh, he wants you, and he's chosen you if you'll have him." Mm-hmm. Which I think is kind of plays into what you said, like what you said, like where it's kind of like uh, where she says, "Like you know, I'm so sorry." It's this kind of like yeah. re- resigning her to a fate that we only kind of get hints about it towards the end of the movie um, the, of what fate was supposed to happen. Yeah, and then also, too, we do kind of get the impression that uh, Greta is not the first babysitter for Brahms, and other babysitters that have come on in, they have been cast aside or cast out for whatever reason, and we don't really get an idea of what that reason would be besides, yes, Brahms has not selected them. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Well, I think I think at one point Malcolm does say, he's like, yeah, Bra-, he's like, it's been only about a year has happened. It's only been about a year since they've actually tried looking for a nanny. And I think mm-hmm. they said, like, four or five people have come and been ditched. Yeah. Yeah. So Greta's special. Anyway. Uh, so, yeah, she does call her sister Sandy at this moment, who we only hear over the phone. And we do get a little bit of um, background information about Greta. Once again, just to completely put it all to rest, is she had an abusive ex-boyfriend. And the ex-boyfriend... Uh, currently has a restraining order against him and he's been trying to find out where she is but uh, and that's one of the reasons why she took this job is because she wanted to flee away from him um and Ma- maggie is from america that? too so it is weird that she goes all the way across the yes. country like all out of the country well, i mean i've seen that before it's au-, au pair is a thing i've met a couple friends who are like that where they just say yeah i'm gonna stay and you know do nannying for a few months mm-hmm. i don't think that's too weird oh and can we, can we talk so um before she actually even calls her friend we do get this great scene. So, like, so the family leaves, and she's like, all right, sorry, Brahms, you creeped me out. Covers him with a blanket. Uh-huh. And then she goes upstairs, and out of her suitcase pulls out peanut butter and jelly. And I, I fucking love that. Like, I was just like, yes. Like, I, I love peanut butter and jelly. And I was just like, this person is the best person ever. Like, she could have asked for them to bring her food and stuff, but no, she brings her own PB&J. And she's like, 
it, when you got a PB and J, you got a PB and J. I love it. She's like, she gets PB and J, and then she gets a glass of wine, and she's like, <laughs> she sits down. I'm like, go. I think she has like two glasses of wine and PB and J, and like passes out. It's like, yes. <laughs> Does the girl know how to party or what? Right? Like, dude, that's like, it's like, it's like me during the quarantine, just like going to different rooms, drinking wine, and eating PB and J. And I guess Alphonse is. Uh, oh shit! Speaking of which, I'm out of alcohol. God damn it. Dude, what? I've, like, literally, since they've announced this, this thing, Lindsay and I have stopped going alcohol, like, four times. <laughs> like, I, I went and bought, like, two boxes of wine, uh, a bottle of Prosecco, uh, and I've bought, like, multiple four-packs of beers. Just kept going in and out. <laughs> yeah. All right. We'll figure it out. I'm not a huge drinker anyway. Like, uh, side notes, I flew first class because I got upgraded for my job last week. Um for those of you who listen to me, I mean, I work in the healthcare field. They were help, I was helping set up at a hospital for a quarantine unit, and now I'm grounded for the next couple of weeks, so I am good to go. But yeah, I was upgraded, and they gave me a free drink, and that was wonderful. First class is pretty sweet, man. Not going to lie. Man. Not worth the payment, but it's worth it if you can get free upgraded. Someday I'll anyway. get that. Someday that'll happen. Someday. So yeah, uh, Malcolm also talks to Greta at this time and uh, talks a little bit about exactly what happened here at this house and why they have this porcelain doll. Uh, Malcolm basically says that the real Brahms was killed in a fire about 20 years ago on his eighth birthday. So he was a little boy when he was killed in this fire. And that's about this. Also, Malcolm asks Greta out. And after a little bit about going playfully teasing back and forth, she says, fine, let's go on a date. Let's go out of town. He says something about him being a really good dancer. I'm not so sure about that one. He also says, let's go out in the town. There's a lot of great bars down there. This is in the middle of bumfuck nowhere. Right? Like, how far away is this downtown area? I'm like, okay. All right. I want to see that. Hey, actually, this is true. I never really see where they are exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, if, I don't know if they ever say it, but hmm. Rural England somewhere. I don't think they ever said that in anything. Well, actually, in the sequel, we, we do learn that there's like, there are houses nearby because the sequel takes place in a house that's like next to the Hillshire house. Oh, so gotcha. um, I don't know. We never see it in this movie, but there are, there is a community around. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Good to know. Anyway. Uh, yeah. So we went on through there. And then Greta slash Lauren Cohen decides to take a shower to prep for his date with uh, her, her date with uh, hunky little Malcolm right there. So we get our gratuitous shower scene because, of course, and oh, there's another good scene, too, before she starts taking a shower um, where she hears Brahms uh, downstairs and she walks on in. And then Brahms is actually crying from his eye. And she's like, what the fuck is going on here? But then she realizes that the roof is just leaking and water's falling onto his face. Yeah, from, from like the attic, which he can't access. Mm-hmm. And it's actually weird, too, because yeah. throughout, throughout this movie, there's a lot of weird dream sequences where she has these dreams about Brahms and dreams about like crying children's voices. Which yeah, is a little weird. One, like the, she looks at a painting, an oil painting of the family together, and the um, portrait of Brahms just jumps out at her. I, I think that was probably either a director or producer decision. Like, we need more jump scares in here. This isn't scary enough. Because this movie is a very, very slow burn. Yeah. Well, they, um, I think it's also to add kind of to her psychosis for when she kind of accepts Brahms. I think it's kind of mm-hmm. setting up for that, like the, the haunting to a degree. Which, mm-hmm. yeah. So in my notes, I have my notes on that first dream she has, and she's walking around. And you notice there's, like, freaking candles lit everywhere in her dream? She, oh, yeah. She wakes up, and there's, like, candles every fucking place. Like, my notes are literally just, like, 
candle shut lit. That's weird. Is the power out? Why are there candles? What's going on with their candles? Why are there so many candles? She hears a child's voice from somewhere. Goes check it out. Why does she hear this? Wait, why are there candles? What the fuck? Why are you not concerned? <laughs> like, because you need candles all the time. That's how it works. I, th- this is why I'm bad at like paying attention to movies. Is I like see these candles and I'm like OCD. It's like why is that candle lit? <laughs> And then you just go down the rabbit hole, and then it's just, it's never working. Oh, what? Painting jumped out at her? All right, fine. But what's up with those candles? Seriously, guys. No, literally, like, I, I forgot that entire thing happened. Like, that. I, I remember that dream <laughs> sequence. All I remember is fucking the candles until you, until you said that. It's, it's like Jennifer Aniston's pants and uh, the leprechaun all over again. Yes. Oh, what a wonderful, wonderful shorts those were. Oh, shit. My, my, yeah. my, my, uh, my thingies went noised. Here we go. We're good. Your thinning went noise. Is your thinning good now? We're good, yeah. Sorry. Noiseless now? My, my headphones just popped out, so uh, people may have heard you talking through my computer into the mic. Ah, well, you know what? Just double the amount of me. That's fine with me. There we go. So, she, uh, Greta is prepping for her shower for her hot date with Malcolm, and once again, we get our gratuitous shower scene. Um, and it's a very, very slow burn. It's a very, very slow sequence where we see slowly her dress being pulled down from its spot on the chair. We see her necklace being pulled down from the sink. Someone is slowly coming on and in and stealing all of her stuff. And let's be very clear. Um, this is her coral dress, as her sister repeatedly points out, that it is her date yes. dress. It is her coral date dress that is apparently she oh, is yeah. known so well for wearing on her dates that her friend can call now, it out. Fortunately, we do not get to see, or we did not get to see her and her sister discuss if she's wearing matching underwear, which is the surefire sign to see if she wants to get lucky or not. No, dude, it's, it's just the coral dress, man. The coral dress, without that, her future with Malcolm is done. <laughs> uh, yep. So yeah, uh, she basically gets out of the shower and she realizes that all of her clothes are gone. So in a towel, she kind of wanders around the house trying to find exactly where these clothes are. And she hears all these strange noises, one of which comes from the attic. Um, And she walks on up to the attic and the ladder basically shuts behind her. So she's trapped in the attic. At this time, uh, Malcolm does come on up uh, ready for the dates and he pulls his car up to the front door. And she's trying to scream, trying to yell as to get his attention because there's no way she can get back down. Unfortunately, um, in this little tense scene, you know, she's trying to pry open the windows with a bar. The music's getting all harrowing. But Malcolm eventually drives away, doesn't hear her at all. We do see some pictures, and I don't know if they were really hinting at something else at this point or just having old pictures of Brahms. But we do see some family portraits and some actual photos of Brahms. But we've already seen photos of Brahms, so I'm not sure exactly what the scene was supposed to be do in terms of advancing the plot. Well, I think th- I there's know, also Andrew. pictures of the girl, the, the girl that um... doesn't that come later? I thought that I thought we see her. I think we see her now, but we don't like know what's going on. Okay, so yeah, I guess we do see a little girl at this point next to Brahms as a kid. The actual real Brahms in the photos, um, and then she gets attacked by. Clothes, yeah, was it? Yeah, she, I had to pause she, and take a look at that. She sees and, a mannequin with clothes on it and falls back <laughs> and knocks herself out. Yes, she scares herself and basically gives herself a concussion. And again, not, not, not to criticize this character, but she does climb up into an attic, attic with just a towel on after taking a shower. Well, no, all her clothes were stolen, too, because she goes back into her room at one point, and then all her drawers have been ransacked, right? Yeah, but like she goes up there, but she goes up there in a towel, doesn't she? She doesn't put any clothes on, does she? 
Yeah, she does go into a towel, but uh, she goes up there in a towel, but I'm saying she doesn't have any other options for clothes because all of her other stuff had been ransacked. Oh, I thought it was ransacked. I didn't think, I didn't think that she, they was taken. I thought, it, like, I thought we saw her clothes were stuck on the floor and shit. Ah, okay. So, like, the same empty of the room where just everything's all over the place. Yeah, you know, you can't pick that shit up. But, like, I would, again, like, I, I, I wouldn't go up in an attic that, that's, like, you know, it's just, it's just horror movie logic. It's so present. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, yeah, she goes on up there. She gets attacked by the mannequin. She gives herself a concussion, and then it's daylight again. And she wakes up, and the door is open as she wakes on up. So she's able to climb back down. Um, Malcolm does stop on over at this point, and she explains, I'm so sorry I missed our date. I was attacked by a mannequin. I was up in there. Um they are shooting pool, and um, Greta asks him, hey, what's going on with Brahms? Obviously, there's more of the story than you're letting me. And Malcolm just says, well, I didn't hear much about him. I never met the kid. But Mr. Heelshire did describe him as odd. And she's like, odd. And he's like, odd. And she's like, odd. And it's very odd. It's a very weird scene, too, because like, they, they play like this big dramatic reveal, and you're just like... Oh, yeah, okay. We know he's freaking. We know there's something messed up with this kid. All right, you don't have to convince us anymore. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a weird scene. I, I didn't get the point of that. I think that like I feel like there should have been more to that. I bet like there's an outtake where there's more given, and they're just like, well, we can't. I, like I think they reveal the, the twist or something early on accidentally somehow, and they, they yeah. cut it out. Yeah, mm-hmm. like oh, he really loved to play in the walls or something like that. So yeah, exactly. A little bit too obvious. Yeah, he's odd. He'd always um, go and like disappear into the wall and come out later. Yeah, some may say that he's still in the walls to this day, but that's a crazy story. Ha 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 ha! <laughs> it's been very subtle about it. Or like, oh man, if only that wall, that mirror behind us was a one-way mirror, that'd be weird, right? <laughs> <laughs> and then he just turns to the camera and winks, and then all the idiots in the audience would be like, "Aha! I figured it out. I've solved your wall puzzle." Uh, yeah. So um, we go back into the day-to-day life in terms of this creepy house with Greta, and um, this is not the lake scene. The lake scene comes later. Uh, Yeah, and just more stuff starts happening. Uh, Greta starts to hear hear little noises throughout the hallway. She starts to hear crying here and there. Um, The phone is actually cut off at one point. The phone doesn't work at all. And then, of course, the doll's moving around. There's one scene in the kitchen later on where she leaves the room, comes on back, and Brahms is completely moved from the chair. Mm. Um, She locks herself in the room, and then after this very tense scene where we see shoes outside the door, she slowly opens it back up, and she sees that peanut butter and jelly sandwich right outside her door. Mm. It, and she realizes, go for it. I was like, well, and before that, she does get like a phone call when she's hiding in the room. Because she barricades in her room, self in the room, thinks something's crazy going on. And she gets a phone call. And like on the phone is the, like a child's voice. And it's just like, come play with me, Greta. Like, why won't you follow the rules? Mm-hmm. It's like, I promise I'll be good. And it's just like little like English boy's accent like going on through. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's creepy. But also when you kind of get the twist at the end, you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um... So yeah, that's what happens. That's what's going on here. Uh, She opens the door. She sees Brahms sitting on his bed, the doll Brahms. And she realizes, oh, right, I haven't been following the rules. Um, Probably should follow these rules. That's why all this creepy shit is happening right now. So she kind of develops this weird sort of Stockholm Syndrome, I guess, where she feels compelled to take care of this. And I was thinking about this a little bit um, 
earlier today as well. So one of the big reveals for Greta later on is, yes, she had a physically abusive boyfriend, um, and she has a restraining order against that said boyfriend, but she also uh, had a miscarriage Mm -hmm. because of the physical abuse from the boyfriend. So I'm thinking there might be some sort of maternal instinct that kicked in during this time. At least that's what the movie's trying to get across. Yeah. Um, She feels the need to compel to take care of this boy because no one else does that for it. And I'm not sure if it really hits the mark. No, I think, I think that's what they were going for. I was thinking the same thing. I think it's one of those things where like, I think you and I identified that. And, but I don't think that like, I think it may have been part of whoever like scripted this or penned this, but my guess is like parts were cut out or something and they kind of lost that thread along the way. Mm-hmm. Like it, it feels like it's something we could extrapolate as an audience, but the movie doesn't tell us enough to actually show that as a thing. Yeah, like yeah. you know, like ha- or, you know, have something about her wanting a child and the loss of the child was severe to her, or something like that. But there was no mm-hmm. indication that was her thing since she desired or anything like that. Like, and or that like she ever had any kind of mothering instincts towards the doll to begin with. Like, it seems it's, mm-hmm. it kind of comes out of nowhere. It's more almost seems more of like a, like the way it comes off is more Stockholm creepy, kind of like almost like possessed by the dollishness. But I think it's mm-hmm. supposed to be more of her kind of accepting and slightly i don't know being open to the experience but it's mm-hmm. not portrayed well i don't think mm-hmm. yeah i don't think so either um malcolm comes back over at this point as well and uh, malcolm once again for the second time reveals that he knew more than he let on initially um and he basically says that well, he, he also demonstrates how the doll moves to Brahms. She puts the doll in a room, does a chalk outline around the doll, goes back into the bedroom, comes back, and then after the second try, he does see that, oh, Brahms is actually moving by himself. Well, okay, what I like, cool. too, that, like, what gets it to move, what gets Brahms to move is saying that she will not be able to be there anymore. Like, Brahms, if you don't move, you don't show me that you're real right now, I'm going to have to leave, which is like, mm-hmm. interesting. And that's what prompts him to move and kind of hide in the corner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so that's how that works. And Malcolm fully believes her at this point. Uh, Mr. Grocery Boy believes her. Um, so what happens is Malcolm once again lets on that he knows a little bit more than what he did before. And he says, so yeah, Grom's the actual eight-year-old boy, was friends with this girl in the neighborhood and she was found in the forest with her skull completely crushed. You know, that was a murder. And before the police can question Brahms about, hey, why are you playing with this girl? What happened? Um, he died in that fire. So we get a little bit more, okay, so Brahms may have had a murderous streak before then where he's kind of implied to have crushed that girl's skull in. That's how that works. Yeah. And then we do get, go for it. No, 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 I was, I was agreeing with your summary. Yeah. And then we do get a really good scene. This is probably one of my favorite scenes in the entire movie, um, where we see the Hillshires finally back, Mm -hmm. Brahms, Mama, and Papa, and they're at a lakeside, and they both are looking very pensive, but very focused, and they look at each other, give themselves a nod, and then they take rocks and kind of stuff their jackets with rocks, and then just slowly walk into a lake. And this is all interspliced with a letter um, to Brahms that Mrs. Hillshire wrote to him. And we see her sending that letter out, and then the letter does eventually arrive at the house. Um, and Malcolm brings it in, I think, right? Yeah, Malcolm brings it in later on. So, yes. And then I believe there is one phrase, because we don't get to hear the whole letter, but we do see one phrase, something like, she is yours now. 
Yeah, so we, we get that at the end, yeah. We're implying that Greta is um, promised to Brahms. Yeah. Well, like, and I think that what's interesting, like, too, about, well, I'm not interesting, but I think it's weird about that scene um, is because aren't we all, th- isn't that also, like, interspliced with um, her talking about Brahms? Or, like, isn't that, or when, when she learns, isn't that when that happens at the same time? Uh, about the girl and the fire and everything like that. Yeah, isn't that, isn't that when that happens? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's all around the same time. But also, here's my question: Do you think you would die? Do yes. you think that would kill you? But the, the, the way they, they get put enough rocks in there, almost definitely. But they each, they each maybe take two rocks and they walk in there. I they are frail old people. Though. Like I get little people, but I don't see that happening. I don't see them like <laughs> like I just I feel like one of them would turn back. Like I feel like that is a very poor way to kill yourself. Like just in general, like why? Like unless they go in there and start huffing water as soon as you get in there, like actively breathing in water as soon as you get down there. Like mm-hmm. I I don't I don't know I I'm. I'm skeptical because people. We need the Mythbusters on it. I know. That's what we need. That's what, like, is it possible to stuff how many rocks is it enough to take yourself past the point of no return? And like past the point of and given the mom the way the mom feels about Brahms, like I feel like she should have turned back. Like I could see that I can maybe see mm-hmm. the father doing it. I don't see the mom doing it. You know, like I just I, I doubt these old people's ability and desire to kill themselves. I don't, I don't think they had the fall mm-hmm. I think they were just too beaten and too messed up from what they did um like the mom definitely did. I, I think at one point the mom is actually standing on the shore and then it seems like she's not going to go in the lake but then the dad comes on in mr hillshire and actually gives his hand out and then they walk in holding hands together so i'm assuming that he kind of pushed her forward and i'm assuming the dad is kind of racked with guilt about every fucked up thing that happened with brahms mm. so yeah that's the impression i got fair i could fair. see that Mm-hmm. Oh, and actually, I do like it too because. Uh, uh, well, actually, no, we'll, we'll reveal that later. Anyway, we'll go back to that later. But uh, okay, sounds good. So, Mr. and Mrs. Hellshire have went through the lake, and we zoom back to Greta. But now there is a new visitor in the house. Oh, wait. So, want you go ahead and talk about? That? Well, even before that. Well, what's up? So, all right. So, so, so the couple discovers that Brahms is alive. Like Brahms is alive. Holy shit! Oh my god. We're gonna blow the stuff around, um, and like he's like you know, there's a chance he may have been a murderer when he's a kid child. Whatever, cool. What's the first thing they decide to go do? To go fuck on the bed. They're like, oh yeah. They're like, all right, guys. Like we discovered this doll is supernatural and alive and can make sandwiches and like write shit on the floor and move stuff around. Um, That's basically an aphrodisiac. Let's go make out on this bed. And then they're like surprised and shocked when they hear a record being played very loudly downstairs, interrupting their sexy times. And they're just like, bro, the fuck? <laughs> like, Brahms cock blocking again. Like, not only is that like, you know, like kind of weird because it, <laughs> like it's it's the possessed. You think it's the possessed spirit of a child, but yeah. also like, I don't know. There's like a demon possessing thing moving around shit, and you decide to just go like fuck on the bed across the room from him. <laughs> like, it's really awkward and it's it's weird. And we get, we we keep getting these cuts yeah. of like the voyeuristic uh, view of of them doing things from somebody else's perspective, and it's just like. You're mm-hmm. fucking idiots. Like, yeah. But then, and, and because of, Does not work. and like at this point, because Maggie is, or Greta is like, you know, enthralled with Brom, she's like, all right, I'm not going to need to leave. Like my child needs me. So, uh, sorry, mm-hmm. no, no sex tonight. And so he, he, he's sad and he goes home. Um, yeah. Oh, and this is actually when he tells the story so about, about the murder. Really jerk off. This is when he's like, this when he's like, Hey, actually like this might be the, the he's like, and he's like, just so you know, like Brahms may have killed somebody. And, well, and the thing mm-hmm. is, he actually doesn't imply that Brahms is the murderer. What he says is that 
he doesn't know if the spirit that's possessing the doll is necessarily Brahms' spirit or if it's not, it could be a malevolent force. He's just kind of like, I don't know if that's Brahms, but there's mm-hmm. a chance it could be whatever killed the girl. It could be something else. Like, yeah. like Brahms yeah. could be dead, and this could it be could be evil. It could be Brahms. It could be Beetlejuice. It could be something else. It could be else Annabelle. Yeah. could be Annabelle. Probably is Annabelle. Fucking Annabelle. Probably is Annabelle. Um, yeah, and so and th- and that's and that at that point he's like, so maybe we should fucking get out of here. And she's like, Nah, I'm not gonna leave. You can leave though. Bye. <laughs> and actually, you're right. And then because after that, she puts Brahms to bed and finds the picture of the girl. She goes back up to the attic. Mm-hmm. So I- yes. So that's how that goes. Anyway, uh, so we have a new entrant the very next day into our story. Um, so we found out earlier that uh, Greta's sister um, got a phone call from her ex boyfriend Cole. And uh, Greta's son, who are assuming is like 10, 11, something like that, um, accidentally gave Cole the address in England. Greta's sister's son. So, yes, Greta's sister's son. Uh, so Cole, uh, the ex-boyfriend, shows up at the house. And he basically says, yo, I've changed now. Let's go back home. I'll make up all the bad things I've done to you. Classic abuser tactics. Um, and she's just like, no, I'm good, fam. But I'm going to be very, very particular about it because I know... You are a terrible person, and I want to be safe. And you know, um, this guy, you know he's an asshole, because he comes into the house without knocking, and he starts playing pool. Mm-hmm. Like, she's outside picking yes. up dead rats Brahms, who, by the way, has, like, the coolest fucking little rain jo- coat on. He's, like, a little raincoat hoodie. Like, I, I like that she dressed... Like, <laughs> I know that, he has so many. He has so many pairs of clothing in this movie. And, like, I just, like, like to think that she's, ball. like, I'm taking you out to go pick up dead rats with me. So she puts this little suit on him and takes him out, and, like... Damn. He's like hell yeah. He look he looks Let's pick up fucking those rats. fly as hell. <laughs> <laughs> like Brahms killing it fashion wise. Um, but yeah, like but he's just like Cole's just there like playing pool. Like yo man, how's it going? I'm here playing pool. Like what the fuck Cole. Like wait, what an ass. And it doesn't seem like he's really being a dick about. It. Like in his own head, it doesn't seem like he knows he's the bad guy. He really does genuinely believe. I feel like oh yeah, I've changed and you know I'm gonna do that. That's what he believes. Well, yeah, and, I mean, and, and, dickhead, I'm sure that's definitely. like most abusers don't think they're a bad uh-huh. person. I'm sure they think. Oh yeah, hundred percent too. But he's not trying to be malevolent. He's not trying to be angry. He's not trying to get revenge or anything. He's just like, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep on going, and eventually she'll say yes. I'm just gonna. It's gonna be a war of attrition. I'm gonna wear her down. Well, he, he even says um, he's like, he's like, I did bad things as a bad person. I understand. Like he he comes on, and I think this probably happens a lot with abusers. I'm sure he comes on acting like he, he you know, I can change kind of thing, and like. Tone deaf, I guess. Not very self aware. Yeah, not self aware at all. That's yeah, or you know, forward. maybe maybe thinking yeah. he actually made progress, but then, uh huh, yeah, but uh, most clearly not. So uh, Malcolm does come on in just for his usual delivery, and the characters kind of introduce ourselves. It's a very very awkward standoff, um, and Greta does get to pull away from Cole for a little bit, and then asks, you know, hey Malcolm. Shit, this is the shit that's been going on with my ex-boyfriend. Here's my ex-boyfriend. Please don't go because he is crazy. And Malcolm's like, yeah, no problem. That's sure. Um, and let's see what happens. What, like that. She does want him to go, actually. She's like, I'll take care of this. It's cool. He, but he, he oh, chooses he to stay. Okay. Yeah. He's like, what should I do? Because right. uh-huh. he thinks he's like, this is a bad idea. Like, first demon yeah. doll, now this. Like, like let's get yeah. the fuck out of here. And she's like, no, it's cool. Because she's not, she doesn't want Cole to hurt Malcolm. Grocery store delivery guy of the century. Like, yeah. Wow. So he like, he he's like, fine. He goes out and sleeps in his car. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. 
Um, so Greta does put Brahms to sleep that night, and I think the boyfriend or Cole makes some sort of judgment like, oh, I guess I'm sleeping in my own room tonight, ha 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 And she's like, mm-hmm. um, But as she's putting Brahms to sleep, she asks Brahms, she's like, oh, please help me. Please yep. take care of Cole for me. Mm-hmm. So Cole wakes up in the middle of the night, and he is screaming because there's a message in blood um, urging him to leave, or red paint or something, is it? Yeah, it's, it's, it's it? rat blood. Not... We, 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 cut, we see, we oh, see the dead yeah, rats right. that she harvested earlier, and it says, get out. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yes, and it says, get out right on there. So Cole is understandably very, very pissed off about this, and um, makes a comment about the creepy doll here and there, and... You know what? I'll let you handle this thing because you like it so much. Sure. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. So so she starts freaking out and yelling and screaming, and uh, Malcolm comes in at this point because he's he hears it. He's sleeping on the car. Gets up, comes inside, mm-hmm. and like you know, he's blaming Maggie for it. He's blaming Malcolm for it, and like they kind of look at the doll. And he's like, "Why are you blaming the doll? Like, are you fucking kidding me?" And he's like, "So fine, give me the doll." And I don't know how he ends up arresting the doll from them somehow. He ends up getting it from them, uh, and he just take, rips mm-hmm. out her hands, honestly. Um, yeah. And uh, he literally just like takes the doll by the legs and smashes its head on the table. And it's kind of awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. Porcelain pieces all over the place. I mean, there's dust everywhere. Yeah, yeah that was a really dusty head inside there. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. And so he does that. And they're like, fuck, look what you did. And then all of a sudden, like, the house starts making all these noises. Like, it starts like, shaking. And all this, like, creepy bang starts happening. The walls, like, picture frames start shaking. Lights start flickering. Um, and they're like, what the fuck's going on? And then, like, Cole, like, kind of hears something behind a mirror. And he goes, nah puts his head over the mirror and listens to it. Um, and as he does, the mirror explodes. Um, and he kind of falls back and is covered in shards of mirror. And out comes Brahms, who is a like, probably 25-year-old man. I think they say he's roughly the same age as Malcolm, maybe like 30. Um, well, he was 8 years old in the file, uh, in the fire. 20 years. 20 years so ago, 28. so 28. Yeah, and he comes out, and he looks like he's like a pretty, like, he's not like a super gross-looking guy. He, like, we don't really see his face, mm-hmm. but he's like, He's wearing he's wearing a porcelain mask that looks like Brahms' face, um, and he actually mm-hmm. it's interesting. He actually looks a lot like the actor who plays the little boy in the second movie, which I'm sure is intentional. It's crazy mm-hmm. how much he looks like him. Mm-hmm. Um, but he has a fucking hairy as hell chest. This like Brahms mm-hmm. is wearing like he's wearing a little cardigan over like a t shirt and jeans, but mm-hmm. his exposed chest is so fucking hairy. It's like a it's like a fucking carpet. This kid, uh-huh. it's it's insane. <laughs> like. <laughs> Yeah, He's- and we have our twist. So the doll was not possessed all along. There was actually a guy living in the walls the whole time, and that's what explains all the creepy shit that's been going on. Which I love. Like, I think it's it's such a good twist. I think because it's it's not what you expect mm-hmm. from this movie. You expect the obvious twist of oh, the doll's possessed by the by the de- by the either a child or a demon or something. And I think it's awesome because like it explains so much what's going on, like why they don't put the rats in, why they don't throw out food because they never feed Brahms. Mm-hmm. Because Brahms can't, the doll can't eat. But what they do do is they take all of his old food and they put it in Tupperware containers and put it in this fridge for because mm-hmm. they don't want to waste things. And then, like, in Maggie and asks, she's like, what's the deal with all this extra food? And he's like, ah, oh, you know, Mr. Hillshire eats it. It's fine. It's cool. We throw it out, like, once a week. And it's like, oh, no, Mr. Hillshire wasn't eating it. It was Brahms. And, like, it's it's clever the way that they, they deal with it. Like, it's it's a stupid, the why it occurs is stupid, but I think that the twist, the way they pull it off is great. Yeah, and they do definitely set it up, like I said, with the food, with the dead rats, with everything. Like, it's definitely one of those movies where if you go back and watch it again, you get to pick up on all of the little details here and there. Mm-hmm. 
So we have our battle scene at this point. Um, all four of them struggle against each other. And this was one of my pet peeves with it. Um, how the fuck is Brahms so ripped? Dude, that, that's, that's like every fucking horror movie. Like, I think, like, I feel like a lot of it is surprise. Like, I'm, cause like, I'm trying to think, like, he, he comes out, he attacks everybody, like, um, and like Maggie tries to stop him. Like, who knows, maybe he's just fucking bench pressing in there. Like, if you think about it, he is like, he's eating fine. He's just moving around in there. Like, maybe he just like lifts all the time. Maybe he just like does push ups and like. He's just so bored all the time doing that. But I mean, it's just, he overpowers three different people. It's. But I don't, I don't, know. I don't Yes, it is every single horror movie ever. But I don't think he. But I, I will say, I don't think the movie makes him super strong. Because you think about it, like, Cole's like. Like, I don't, I don't know what the fuck he smashes into the back of the mirror. But Cole's kind of out mm-hmm. from that explosion next to his face. And then, like, gets kind of jumped on and stuff and choked out. And, like, I think he just, like, mm-hmm. elbows Maggie in the face, which, like, would knock most people out. And I think the same with Malcolm. Like, there's a little bit of parts where, like, he lifts people up with one hand and then tosses them against the Oh, you're the right. Yeah the, yeah, the end of the movie. Right. Yeah. yeah, the end is fucking insane. Yes. <laughs> uh, I think it's just Brahms' anyway. magical powers. Brahms' magical powers? We'll go with that. So, that's how that works. Um, they have a big struggle. Uh, yeah, Cole, I mean, he got a face full of mirror shards, so he's not hitting, looking too hot right now anyway. Um, and uh, during the struggle, actually, Cole does die. There's a little bit of a fight here and there, but uh, Brahms eventually gets the better. Yeah, Bra- Brahms grabs um, a shard of his of the Brahms doll's face and stabs him in the neck with it. It's pretty, pretty intense. That's right. Pretty poetic. Yeah. Um, so Malcolm and Greta escape into the walls. Um, oh, yes, I forgot to mention earlier in the movie, they did mention, like, oh, yeah, the fireplace doesn't work. Don't use the fireplace at all. And, aha, uh-huh, now we know why, because Brahms was using that to go back and forth. Eventually, they escape through the walls here and there. Um, Brahms does catch up with um, Malcolm, and they have another struggle, and Brahms gets the better of Malcolm, and Malcolm is just kind of passed out on the floor, and he's out of the picture for the foreseeable future. And Brahms does talk. He likes screaming. He's like, if you leave, I'll kill him. And his weird, like, British. Mm-hmm. It's weird, too, because he goes between his British child's voice and his adult voice. And it's kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, do you, did yeah. he sit practicing his child's voice for a while? I don't know. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, I can believe that, definitely, because this guy is not all mentally there. Mentally, he has the capacity of a child. Like, he has not progressed maturely past that. What do you mean? Um, he, gets, he gets three hours of lessons a day read very loudly to him. <laughs> But I, I, I'm assuming the Hillshires were not the best parents to him. No, probably not. <laughs> you could stay in the walls. Um, uh, but actually, and okay, when, so, when they go in and they find Brahms's lair, which is like kind of a an offset room kind of hidden between the walls, um, what they do find is they find their own – he has made his own life-size doll of Greta wearing her dress and her necklace. And she finds her that her hair has been cut, so there's some of her hairs on top of it. Um it's uh, it's it's his weird sex doll of her, and it's weird. Yeah. And we also find like the a letter. weird thirteen-year-old. You know, he's that's what he wants to do. Well, and this is where we find the letter that's saying she is yours. And I think what's being implied here mm-hmm. is that Brahms was to uh, like have her as a wife. Essentially, is what was the deal? Mm-hmm. Not only was she his caretaker, but he was eventually supposed to like have her, have her. Um, mm-hmm. Is yeah. what is what yeah, whatever abuse that entails. Exactly, Definitely. and that's, and that's like what the mom. Was that's kind of what they signed her up for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is because you know they even say like, oh, there's like I think the mother even says like, oh, we, we had other people before, but nobody is as young and as pretty as you are. So like, she was set up mm-hmm. to be his kind of wife to a degree. Um, was what they're mm-hmm. leaving her for, um, mm-hmm. which is kind of creepy as fuck. But uh, yeah, yep. 
So that's how that goes. Um, Greta does eventually escape through the fireplace, um, but Brahms cuts her off at a pass somewhere, and Greta is just completely overwhelmed. So she has a moment of lucidity or a moment of stroke of genius, and she says, all right, Brahms, time to go to bed. And then she follows the rules to the T to put him back to bed. So he's got this, she's got this massive, hulking mess of a man following her on over slowly goes back up to his bedroom and then tucks and then Greta tucks him on in. Mm. Um, when he very much assumes the role of Greta, the doll. He like stands there and waits like, okay, Brahms, mm-hmm. let's go to bed. Okay, Brahms, under the covers. Okay, Brahms. Like, and she, it's, it's very, you can tell that like it's, it's something that he rehearses himself with her like when he goes to bed. Mm-hmm. Yes. So uh, Greta does tuck him in and says, okay, good night. And then Brahms in his weird half boy, half man voice goes, kiss. And then she's like, no kiss for you. You've been a very naughty boy. And Brahms is not happy about that one. So he grabs her and then pulls her back on in. But Brahms does not want just a normal kiss. Ugh. He is full on making out with her. Do you, do you think he's disgusting. like, is he making out the other side of that mask? So the mask is in between them. And like, yes. is he on the other side, like tongue in that mask? Like that's an <laughs> oh, like, definitely, ugh. definitely. He's like that looking his gross mouth mask. Probably like mold on the inside of it. Like, <laughs> ugh, yes. So not too good. But anyway, uh, that's how Brahms does. So Brahm, you know, is butterflies in his stomach. He's seen fireworks. He's like, oh yeah, I bet this is what getting laid feels like. Uh, when he gets stabbed in the chest, uh, Greta has a fire poker and just kind of stabs him on in right there. Was it, it was a fire poker? Right? I it was a flathead screwdriver. Flathead screwdriver. It's at her chisel. Like we don't really focus on it. She kind of just like because she leaves, turns around, decides to go and save Malcolm, and just pulls that out of a, a cabinet. Of, like we don't really know what it is. Some sort of piercing object. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and then uh, Brahms is obviously enraged at this one. Stands up, throws her against the wall, yeah. and then chokes her against the wall. And then you're expecting someone to come on and Malcolm to wake back up and save her, but nope. She just takes the instrument jammed in his side and just kind of jiggles it a little bit and then Brahms falls to the floor and he is out of commission. I do think that's kind of interesting because like you always expect this big like I'm surprised at how anticlimactic that is because it is he just kind of like tickles those insides with it a little bit. <laughs> like, yeah, she's just like hee hee and he's like oh no you, you got me you got me. And he's down. Yep. So Greta wakes back downstairs um, and uh, sees Malcolm. Malcolm is alive. He was just knocked out. He's good to go. And the both of them kind of stand up and escape together. But we do get one final zinger. Uh, yeah, we, we had a great zinger of uh, Brahms back in the house, or a pair of hands back in the house, and they are reconstructing Brahms. They're gluing him back together. The doll that was shattered into a million pieces, and that is the boy. Bum, bum, bum. So... So, Andrew, what do you think of The Boy? I love The Boy. Um, I think it's a really well, well-made well movie, and the acting's pretty good. I think it's like it's a nice sign of like a low budget and a low cast can do, and nobody's super well-known. Like There was no like mm-hmm. breakaway performances. Like, And you know, it's one of the movies that I feel like, even though I knew the twist, I really enjoyed watching it again. And like, it's ridiculous at times, and it's stupid at times, but like, it's overall, I think, a very effective movie. Mm-hmm. How about you? I definitely think it's one of those movies that completely lives or dies by the extent of its twist. And going back and going through my notes and kind of pondering it a little bit, it is a very good twist. I'm very glad they didn't go with the possession angle like a lot of other horror movies are doing at this time. Um, But beyond that twist, yeah, the acting is fine. The cinematography is fine. Nothing really caught me. Nothing really stand out for me. 
I definitely feel, like I said, it's a very slow burn. And in terms of the level of creeps mm. that I got from it, the level of tension, like the whole attic scene where she gets scared by the mannequin and she's kind of, you know, screaming at Malcolm to let her back down. I felt that was very poorly done. I did not like that at all. Um, And I feel like the movie just tries to go too far in terms of scaring back and forth, and especially the jump scares, because there's a lot of loud noise jump scares in here, and I never really appreciate that in horror movies. Yeah, I agree. Um, And I don't think think of this movie as a horror movie, which is, like, it's weird. Like, I don't, I think, I don't... More of a thriller? Yeah, I don't don't think it's scary. Nothing about it scares me. Mm -hmm. I just like it. Yeah, I would agree with that. So yeah, that's that. But it really is, if you can definitely think about the twist and you like the twist, I mean, it's definitely worth watching for that alone, but it's definitely one of those movies that lives and dies by its twist. Um, yeah, actually, I find it interesting because I feel like, um, I know we're talking about Invisible Man later, but the Invisible Man has a very kind of similar premise of a scarred woman escaping an abuser. And I think that had this movie played a little bit more into that than it did, I think maybe, because I think one thing that I really wanted from Invisible Man uh, and that they kind of hint at in the trailers is, 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 is it a question of an invisible man or is it paranoia from, you know, left over from being abused and surviving that? And I think that ha- playing yes. with that a little bit more could have been better. Um, mm-hmm. Playing with the idea that maybe the, like we do get a little bit of that, of the phone calls and nothing happening. And I, and like wondering mm-hmm. if that was cold or not. Um, but I think playing with that a little bit more could have yeah. made the movie a little bit more effective. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I don't know. I think that could have been a little better. Uh, should we talk about the sequel at all? Like, um, you are the only one who saw the sequel, so if you would like to, you know, quickly brief about that one and tell me your impressions of it, um, you loved it, right? Like, so like, <laughs> I don't want to like spoil it for people. So like, maybe I don't know, okay. if, if people if people want to like plug theirs for thirty seconds because I I uh-huh. I, I want to say what, like it's very obvious this the twist, but it's stupid. So like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Spoiler warning for like the next okay. 30 seconds. People want to fast forward. But they okay. basically undo the twist of this movie. So. So it actually is a possessed he, doll? Yeah, we learned that retroactively Brahms is a possessed doll. Okay. And do not do not follow up. They do not follow up on the zinger at the end of this movie. Uh-huh. So Brahms, Brahms the person disappears. Is okay. never seen again. Good to know. So, yeah, it's. And. Just going and like, actually, I will say, I start, I start off really liking the movie, and it's another movie of trauma. It's another movie of people, somebody experiences trauma and then experiences this event after that trauma, and that I think it starts out really effective. Like Lindsay and I went and saw the movie, and there's one point I think where like I was talking to her, I kind of whispered, "This movie's really good. I'm really glad we went and see saw this." And then she went to the bathroom, then I got up went to the bathroom, and I think like something at that point, there's a scene where a character gets killed, and then it just fucking goes insane like it's a very slow burn and then this one character gets killed and it just gets bad it gets like mm-hmm. it goes like it's like because i really like movies with lore and like kind of backstory and i think that's kind of what i liked about this movie it's like what i like about like uh the conjuring it's what i like about um uh mm-hmm. what's that movie bagul in it um sinister like, i think that those are interesting movies mm-hmm. and this movie tries to kind of it goes the sinister route to a degree and it's just is bad <laughs> mm. it gets really like it's weird like i, I don't it's like feels like such a forced sequel to a movie that could have had a sequel, like Brahms. The sequel, like for a movie called Brahms, it's uh, and it doesn't focus on Brahms at all. No, like the doll's there and the doll's named Brahms, but the reason for it being named it's Brahms is just there to be like creepy. Yeah, it's like 
it does, it's basically like Annabelle again, except like gotcha. with it had Annabelle had like a shitty Annabelle movie come out after something that was really good. <laughs> and you're just like, Oh, <laughs> and like the first, like it's almost like if they put Annabelle two and then Annabelle one, and you're just like, what the fuck? Annabelle two is good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, what did you do? Annabelle one's not what's going on. Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's, that. Gotcha. it's, it's a very okay, stereotypical cool. doll movie. Okay, cool, cool, cool. All right, sounds good. Well, thank you so much for listening. Uh, any closing thoughts, Andrew? I don't know. Oh, you know, actually, so, Dan, this is something that, all right, so we reviewed The Predator a while back, right? Yes. And I was thinking, I don't know why I was thinking, I've been taking my dog on really long walks since I've had time, so, you know, I've been going out for hour and a half walks, and uh, my mind at one point got to the end of The Predator, and, like, what would I have liked to see in the in that, like, what could have made that movie worth it? What could they, they have had in that pod at the end of that movie? And I, I figured out what it was. What? Lex from Alien vs. Predator. <laughs> like, like, hear me out, hear me out. The original Alien vs. Predator comic. Okay. There's a character named uh, Masako yes. Nagochi. She's the original Alien vs. Predator comic. I'm probably saying her name wrong. She's, um, anyway, she survives the events of the first Alien vs. Predator incident of the Alien vs. Predator uh, comic series. And she, at the end, just like the end of Alien vs. Predator, the first movie, um, is, is blotted by the Predator, by Scar in this case, or uh, I think his name is Deshande mm-hmm. in uh, the comic book. And she goes in the end of the, they don't really show it, but they, in later comics, you reveal that Machiko goes and actually like hangs out the predators and goes and joins them and like trains with them and stuff and become like, because they find her and they're like, wow, you killed the queen and like you're blooded. So we'll take you into our, into our thing. And then, you know, you kind of trained with us. And I feel like that would have been a good ending to the predator because it would have opened up the pod. She would have been there and she would have, and especially this kind of the body modding predators that occurred, she could have been slightly body modded herself, like, you know, given a, a kind of enhanced durability to make her kind of the predator mm-hmm. killer, as they say, because they call it the predator killer is what's inside the thing. So it would be the human predator person comes out because she'd be the link between the two worlds. And then they could break, tie back in the Elmer's Predator universe because we know it's already canon based on the spear and the mask and stuff that's in the, the lab earlier. So like it would have been a bridge. It could have brought back AVP it, it, and like it would have brought back, it would have been a callback to the original comics. Like, ah, <sighs> I had a revelation. Like it was it was like literally like the the best <laughs> walk I've ever been on. You just stop on the middle of your walk, and your dog's just like, "What the hell's going on here?" And you just stand there for five minutes. I got it. I found locked. No, like, seriously, I, I, I've been working I to, so long. I need to go contact Fox <laughs> and be like, "Guys, I know how to save the Predator franchise, <laughs> and I know how to." <laughs> you just run on in the Universal, guys, in the middle of the war room. I know how to save Predator. Uh, sir, why'd you get in here? I know how to save it. <laughs> like, I'm just saying, like, guys, like, Fox execs who listen to this, I guess Disney now, Disney execs who listen to this, uh-huh. I got you. <laughs> Call me up. <laughs> I, I, I'll, I'll work out a treatment for you guys. Like, like you know, I've been, I've been reading a lot of alien alien novels lately because I had nothing else to do. Actually, have, have you read The Three Body Problem by any chance? I have. Oh. So, so I've been reading a lot of novels lately, and I, I want our one of our listeners, Sam, uh, suggested this book to me. And it's very high brow, very like a very well written book. And at the end of it, I was so exhausted from reading it because it's a very it's a very good book, but it's very it's like very intense mm-hmm. in terms of like it's it's uh, the the language it uses, like it's very well written. That I had to go and like read a bunch of shitty alien novels after I was done to like recoup. <laughs> I think that's, that's how my mind got on this. But uh, yeah, you know, final final comments. Brahms is great. The boy and the boy was great. But uh, Lex, that's Brahms that is how you end predator and make it worth watching sounds good awesome all right well thank you so much for listening uh once again we are primitive screwheads talk horror movies uh thank you so much to our opening song that is horror movie story by teddy's atlas you can find that off the album children of the corn once again they're good good canadian boys 
And if you guys have a yeah, good one. And, uh, to, you know, if you guys want to listen to our next before our next episode, I think we're, our next episode's going to come out more recently than this one did. I think this one's been about two months in the making. Uh, I think our next mm-hmm. one we're going to hopefully record the, at the end of this week. So maybe you guys will have the Invisible Man out soon. Uh, and if you guys want to we'll do your homework and watch that, you can also watch the original Invisible Man or the classic Kevin Bacon film Hollow Man, which to me is probably the best iteration of that character. Yes, and it has the best. Kevin Bacon penis I've oh ever seen. And, and the best CG gorilla turning invisible. It's so good. <laughs> Most definitely. That is a good one. All right. Sounds good. Well, thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you on the flip side. Bye. <laughs>